you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Good morning, football. It's Thursday, February 1st. I'm Jamie Erdahl. There's Kyle Brandt, Peter Schrager, and Jason McCourty. You know, we've been reading a lot of uh, red carpet promos, NFL honors promos. Mm -hmm. February, February is American Heart Month. Have good heart health. So I tried on the red carpet thing last night for size in New York City. I went to an American Heart Association event. And uh, we got pictures from from the red carpet. There was a concert. That's Demi Lovato. This is uh, in at Columbus Circle, and Demi Lovato sang. She uh, obviously has great songs like Heart Attack and yeah. uh, a great. She was awesome. And then I made a friend on the red carpet, and uh, Kyle, I think you, I think you guys will see this guy next week. Oh, Damar Hamlin! Damar Hamlin was Damn, there. You're great. Thank you. Damar was there. He was awesome. He he hugged me. We talked, and he looked at me again. and goes, "I can't believe we're chatting now. This is so great." Give me a second hug. There's his dad, Mario, and, ne- and uh, awesome. Nina, Nina, and his little brother, Demir, was there as well. The eight-year-old. They introduced Demi. <laughs> There's Demir, and uh, it was an awesome night with the American Heart Association. Everybody looked fabulous in red. Kyle, you know who else was there? No. Peter Schrager's Celebrity Jeopardy champion, Mira Sorvino. Oh, Oscar winner. Oscar winner. There we go. I went up to her. I said, you know who you had to compete against in Celebrity Jeopardy? Mira said, yes, Peter Schrager. I said, I work with him 15 hours a week. She goes, I was so sad I had to beat him. She did. Sure without she blinking. And I said, yeah. don't be that sad. And she said, you know, we're both from New Jersey. I felt badly. Sweetheart. So, Peter, you are you are forever etched in her heart. Uh, okay, Mira, if you're watching, it's okay. Uh, our clips haven't gone viral of Jeopardy, as everything else has this, uh, this, this evening. <laughs> but, uh, Jamie, real quick, the American Heart Association, what yes. would you share with everyone at home? So, February is just wear red month. You can do it as often as possible. It's very simple. Last night was really the kickoff for Go Red for Women. Uh, cardiovascular disease, the number one killer in women. So it's just awareness for heart health in women, but anyone in your family. And, of course, Damar was there because of his ever for, forever etched presence in American heart health. And uh, he was everyone was so thrilled to see him. Sherry Shepard was the host, and she was like, Damar was sitting right in front of her, and she just talked to him for about five minutes. Like, he's such a figure now at these events, and he totally soaks it in, and it was awesome to see him there. And uh, he's ready for a big week in Vegas. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Could have hit us with a text, Jamie. We could have won red today. None of us are wearing anything. No, well, right? so actually, I have a, I have a thought. Yeah, nothing. No, I know. Neither am I. Um, well, you had a red Fridays. dress on last night. I did, exactly, like yes. pregnant heart. You look yes, awesome. I did, exactly. Yeah. I, I thank you very much. So, yeah, Peter, I like the Melissa Etheridge red carpet. You know, it's yeah. like, good to kind of like... Gotta go out step out sometimes. Gotta step out. out. Yours is for a great cause. Mine was thank to you. see my friends. <laughs> She is great, though. So, yeah, Damar, uh, awesome to meet you. And Kyle, he was, you know, he was like, oh, Kyle, he's crazy about the Bills. He shook his head. It'd be nice if they were playing in the Super Bowl. I know, I know. Maybe one of these years. Yeah, exactly. So, there it is. Maybe not. Maybe not. Happy happy Heart (laughs) Month, everybody. February 1st. Time for the lead block. Lead block. 
Oh, it's a remarkable ride that Brock Purdy has been on in his short time in the league. From, again, the last pick in the draft to one win away from a Lombardi trophy. There's a quarterback for the Chiefs, though, who may stand in his way and have something to say about it. What do you think a Super Bowl 58 win for Brock Purdy would mean if it came over that guy? Obviously, it would mean a lot, but before, just listening to that clip. Yeah. Like, Nick Bosa was so cool. This guy was at the very top of the draft, his second pick, and he's talking to Brock Purdy after a game in which is going to send them to the Super Bowl, and he's asking him about his confidence, and just like it's almost like he's in awe of him, of just like, how do you do it? For me and for any professional athlete, there's spells or times throughout your career where you have doubt, where you're just like, am I that guy? Can I live up to the expectations? And for Brock Purdy, you think about it, this guy comes in as the last pick of the draft. Expectations are wildly different, but then he steps into the spotlight and the conversation about Brock Purdy continues to be almost a conversation of validation. So when you talk about him possibly winning Super Bowl 58 over a guy like Patrick Mahomes, I feel like all this week leading up, we're going to talk about what does Brock Purdy have to do for us to for him to convince us that he's a great quarterback or he's somebody to stay for the rest of the franchise. And I look at this as Brock Purdy wins this game. We got to start talking legacy talk for Brock Purdy because He'd be only one of three quarterbacks for the 49ers to win a Super Bowl. The other two, you guys know, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Hall of Famers. This guy has done so much in his young career. He'd be the second youngest quarterback to win a Super Bowl. He'll be the only, maybe one of, I think it's four or five guys to win a Super Bowl in their second year. Tom Brady being amongst that bunch, Ben Roethlisberger. So the company that Brock Purdy will be in if he is able to win Super Bowl 58, it just puts him in a different conversation. I think when you couple that with the standpoint of him beating a guy like Patrick Mahomes, that we continue to have his legacy conversation and comparing him to Tom Brady and seeing how much more he has to do to take over as the GOAT title, if he's able to beat him in his first Super Bowl appearance, that speaks volumes Hell to Brock yeah. Purdy. I think the conversation has to change from validation to legacy of who he can possibly be throughout the rest of his career. That's right. Can we play the clip one more time? I yeah. just want to listen to Bosa also. Nick Bosa turns into Mike Wallace. I, honestly, Nick Bosa is now giving a, 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 a 60 minutes in. It's beautiful. This is Frost Nixon. We're listening to this. <laughs> listen to this clip right here. Listen to Bosa asking the right. questions. I love that we have this mic'd up. So the fact that you just it's my mind, all of us, bro. Yeah. All of us. It's crazy. Did you think you'd be this good? I think I've asked you this before. No, I know, but did you, like, how much confidence did you have? That was the second pick of the draft, and I lacked confidence. It was part of the game, but... Oh, dude. I met your brother. Pretty cool. I think it's so cool. And it it's not only the second pick in the draft. It's a badass defensive end who is like, like, the, like the most respect for that quarterback. It's like, how do you have the confidence? How do you have the confidence? Uh, I have trouble with the Purdy public discourse because I don't know where I stand on it. Because mm. in college, he threw for 12,000 yards at a Power 5 school in the Big 12. He threw for 84 touchdown passes. It's not like... He went to some small school and we didn't hear... Iowa State's a major school. They would play Texas Tech and beat Texas Tech often. Of course, it wasn't Mahomes' Texas Tech. But, like, this isn't the small school guy who no one had ever heard of that were dropping us into our life. Like, he was pretty... But he was overlooked in the draft process, meaning 32 different teams, including the Niners, six times. 
didn't see him worthy of being selected. So it's going to be that, well, you got to prove me something because we were so far off as a national draft discourse and media discourse. And he also took the keys to a car that was kind of fully loaded. And yet you watch this guy and the car could not get over the hump with Jimmy Garoppolo. The car could not get over the hump with Trey Lance, Mm -hmm. could not get over the hump with so many other quarterbacks who have been, you know, taking snaps for this, this Shanahan offense in San Francisco. With him, they're at their best version. This is the best version of Shanahan's offense. And yes, McCaffrey was added in recent years, and Debo was added, and so was Ayuk, and all these guys. Uh, does it have to be chicken or the egg? Can it just be that he is the quarterback on an awesome offense with a great quarterback? And he did it. Look, let me show you the finalists for MVP, the most valuable player in the National Football League this year. They're going to vote on this, and obviously they have already. Lamar's going to win. But the writers thought Purdy was a top five most valuable player candidate. I don't know if you can be disrespected if you're a finalist for the MVP award, the most valuable player in the entire league. Now, I get it. There's going to be a a lot of conversation over the next few days, whether he's even in that conversation, and we're going to have it. Uh, But I myself don't know where I stand on it, because if Brock Purdy is dropped into Cincinnati when Joe Burrow was, Mm -hmm. are the Bengals what they are? Mm -hmm. I don't know if Brock Purdy's put on a team like the Houston Texans this year. Is he doing what C.J. Stroud did? I don't know. I bet McVay could win with them if he dropped them in there. I bet he could. Probably could. We'll never know. But we don't know. And this is this is what he was handed, and they were handed him. And in a lot of ways, they've been the perfect match. And I don't know if we need to dissect the origin of who makes who or what makes what. He's got the number two overall pick and a defensive player of the year being like, bro, I'm so in awe of you. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. It is really cool. And it'll be unbelievable if he beats Mahomes in the, in the Super Bowl. Just an all-timer. Give, give me a little taste of Purdy from, from this last game. Because while we're talking about what he is and what he isn't, God, this is a brilliant play in the NFC title game. It's done. It's over. He's doing the spin-out thing. He's, like, doing a Lamar impression. The Use throw across the body. Use check. That's a beautiful, beautiful play. And you make an NFC title game, you come back to win. And yet, there's so many things working against Brock Purdy. We've all kind of touched on him. First and foremost, Shanahan is his puppet master. Put anybody in there, like you're saying, it's fine. Shanahan got Matt Ryan, the MVP, blah, blah, blah. Put anybody in there. It's not really Purdy. But I generally think, especially as we go to the Super Bowl week and the audience expands, the people who don't live and breathe football all year round, I think draft prejudice is real. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think it's real. I think it's permanent. And I think a lot of people, even in the industry, but certainly people who are industry adjacent, look at people through the lens of where they were drafted. And I think there's an elitist sort of snobbery to it when you find out he was drafted that late. It's like meeting someone who's from your part of the country and you find out what town they're from and you're like, ooh, like I don't like that town. I'm going to judge you based on that town, even though it doesn't make any sense. Or even worse, like being an elitist and judging someone like where they went to college. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. It was 20 years ago, but you hear it and you judge. Never mind what they've done since yeah. then. It's what they did on a test when they were 17 years old. It's ridiculous. Um, I think the fact that he's Mr. Irrelevant is a very convenient way to look at him. And here's what happens with Brock Purdy. You're like, oh, it's a really cool story that the last guy drafted. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great. And then he throws one interception. Like, he sucks. He was drafted so late. That's why he was passed over so many times. And I think it's interesting. I think 20 plus years ago, I think Brady still fought a lot of that. Like, a lot of he was the sixth round. But Brady had so many things going for him that Purdy doesn't. Like, Brady was really tall. He went to Michigan. He had that super handsome thing. He was fiery. Let's go. Brock Purdy, turn him on. He's not big. He's not tall. He's not fast. He ran a 4-8-40. He didn't play at a super slashy program. He's not a catchy quote. He's got this little baby face. He dresses from like what shops at Sears. He just, it, there's nothing hot 
There's nothing sexy about him whatsoever. And I, I love to take a lot of my stuff this time of year from like text chains of just my, my friends who don't yeah, do what yeah. we do. There's this take going on in my text chain that like, look, Brock Purdy is not going to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't happen. It's not the, the football doesn't work that way. It's like the confetti test for prospects, but for Super Bowls. It was like Rex Grossman was not beating Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. It's just it's not how the football gods work. Mm-hmm. Although I I do think there are exceptions. And if I'm the Niners, if I'm Purdy. I'm looking at Nick Foles beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Come on now. Don't tell me that the football gods don't allow stuff like this. See that guy? Two years after this, he was playing for the Jaguars and then the Bears, and then I don't even remember. It can happen if you have a special defense, a special coach, and you have guile, which is cunning and ability and calm. So as much as I laugh at the the gods or script won't allow Purdy to beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl, it's not true. There are exceptions. A very young Russell Wilson also beat Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. It can happen. It can happen this week. But he's working against a lot, a lot. You're Shanahan's puppet, and you went to some crappy college. You didn't do anything. You got drafted late. It's all nonsense. I don't believe in any of it. I think he's great. I say real quick. So after that game, the Lions and the Niners and his game. David Montgomery came running over to Purdy and was like hugging him. Yeah. And I'm like, what is that? And David Montgomery, like treating him. They went to Iowa, Iowa State, State. And that's like a, that's like a thing. Yeah. And it's like, you see the different guys who went to that school, how they revere Brock Purdy. Now, I don't think he was handing the ball off to Montgomery. Maybe they overlapped for a year. Yeah. But the, the reverence that guys who actually played with him, yeah. like they know. Yeah. And yet we as an audience, to your point, he was drafted in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. I think there are some guys, some quarterbacks, too, to Kyle's point about, like, that, that just ooze, like, the swagger, like Brady did, because he had all this stuff going for him. Brock Purdy might not at the podium, and he might not when he walks into the stadium, but I think there's something that happens in that locker room, just maybe with Brock Purdy. Like, I'm sure you've had guys that just become guys, like teammate guys, like Nick Bosa being jealous or in awe of Brock Purdy that he has this going on. I won't even ask for the clearance because I know it will never get it, mm. but there is a video of Brock Purdy that goes around on TikTok of him dancing to Pretty Young Thing by Michael Jackson, mm. and he whips around and his sunglasses drop down. Mm. It's like from his roommate in college. He looks so cool yeah, doing it. I know, but we're never going to be able to see it on TV, but I'll show it to you in the break. It, it, it's Everybody go search for it. It's fantastic okay. slice of Purdy's personality. Like, when he's feeling it, I think behind Behind closed doors, he's the man. We all just don't see it when he's walking this, in with his backpack. Is this yeah. young girl who looks like Brock Purdy that they <gasps> share? Yeah, I know. TikTok. You seen that one? And then my girlfriend was yeah. You see what happened? Purdy's yeah. little brother says to him, "You know, now I think her name is Anna or something." He's like, now Anna gets to go to the Super Bowl and Purdy on the field. They have this. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, oh. Really? She'll make some marketing bucks this week. She oh, should. Smart. Uh, <laughs> like a new backpack. Super Bowl, probably. Uh, still, Anna, yeah, enjoy Las Vegas. Still to come on Good Morning yeah. Football, Christian McCaffrey looking to follow in his dad's footsteps with a win in a Super Bowl in San Francisco. We're going to dive into NFL Films Vault. Yes, open the vault. People are going to go nuts in this song at halftime. This is oh going to be God. really fun. Anna Fry is going to go nuts. Yeah? Anna, Anna Fry. Anna Fry. Anna Fry. Yeah. All right. Peter, what are we getting into next with Spags? <laughs> We're doing Spags trivia. It's time. Oh my God. It's time he gets a segment. This is the whole Spags theme? Whole theme yes. is Steve Spagnolo. Ooh. You didn't want to do Pro Bowl? Super Bowl legend. We've and done Spags Pro we Bowl. trust. We have done Pro Bowl. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm talking quarterbacks in the commercial. I'm talking quarterbacks. We should turn it to defensive coordinator. Uh, guys, that's Spags. That's Steve Spagnolo, the defensive yeah. coordinator of the Chiefs. I don't know if you guys are aware, but he's appearing in his fifth Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. Take a look at this. Most Super Bowl appearances as a defensive coordinator. He's tied with Dick LeBeau for the most ever. Uh, he has won three different rings, two with the Chiefs, one with the Giants, uh, and is considered one of the greatest defensive minds of this generation. And I figured, why not give Spags a trivia segment? This is my favorite one. Oh, I like this. Spags segment. Come on. Steve Spagnuolo's trivia. All right. right. Jason, Steve Spagnuolo's first Super Bowl ring came with the Giants in a win over the Patriots in Super Bowl 42. See, in that game, Tom Brady had one last chance to score. They had a final drive. Which Giants defensive lineman sacked Tom Brady on New England's final drive of Super Bowl 42? Was it Jay Alford out of Penn State? Was it O.C., young man out of Troy? Was it Justin Tuck at a Notre Dame? Or was it legendary number 71, Dave Tollefson? We didn't even include Michael Strahan. Man, I know. Right, come on. No Strahan on the list. All right. I'm going through it. I love Justin Tuck. I, the face mask he used to wear with all those bars was always amazing to me. I'm trying to remember this exact play. I can remember those guys on the field. For whatever reason, I'm going with B. I'm going with our guy, O.C., and friend of the okay. show. O.C., I want you to watch this clip. We're going to go to Aikman, and we're going to go to Buck. We're going to mm-hmm. see who gets the big sack on the fourth, on the, the last drive of the game for Brady. But I want you to see the immediate cutaway on the sideline and who they show celebrating the big sack. Take mm-hmm. a listen. Brady goes down. Jay Alford, a rookie, another rookie for the New York Giants. You think about Steve Smith, the Mod Bradshaw, and now Jay Alford. He comes right up the middle. You know, they've been rotating these defensive linemen throughout the game, keeping them fresh, bringing in Jay Alford, Justin Tuck, O.C. Umanura, and they have been able to get the pressure on Brady. Kavika Mitchell, but of course we're talking about Sean O'Hara with a big fish. That's the guy we love, uh, about 100 pounds more. Yeah, some guy who ate Sean O'Hara. That was Shawnee O. Oh my God, Sean. You can just just hear the Ron Burgundy jokes coming out of (laughs) his mouth right there. He's got it. He's got a stepbrother's joke (laughs) waiting to go. He's going to give that right there to... to Six Panthers! (laughs) That's it. Uh, Jay Alford was a third-round pick at Penn State, and his sack on Brady was the only sack of his entire play playoff career. Wow. Giants would force a turnover on downs on the Patriots' final drive. Big Blue wins Super Bowl 42. 17-14, spoiling New England's hopes for a perfect mm-hmm. season. Mm. All right, Jamie, are you ready? Mm. Sure. All right, so right after that, Spagnola was the hottest name in football because they held the undefeated Patriots to 14 points. He was named the head coach of which NFL franchise a few days later? Oh, my goodness. Cleveland Browns, St. Louis Rams, New Orleans Saints, or Baltimore Ravens. Spags was a head coach in this league. Yes. Not wildly successful in that role. However, he was a head coach in this league. There are four choices, one of them correct. Well, I'm just going to go with my immediate gut response. I'm going to... 
I don't have a memory of him being on a, I don't know why I have Rams headset facial head coach memories, but I do. I'm going to go Saints. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. He was the defensive coordinator of the Saints under Sean Payton, but before that, he was the head coach of the Rams. Ah! Right before Jeff Fisher. Right before Jeff Fisher. Spagnolo coached the Rams for three years. From 09 to 2011, they had Chris Long on defense. Yep. And on offense, they selected Sam Bradford, was the first overall pick in the 2010 NFL Draft. Spags, high energy. His guys always came to play. Uh, Steven Jackson on Jackson. the team. 39, yeah. uh, Of course, that was not a great era of Rams football. They were not one. And Fisher came in and got them to the eight and eight and two yeah, yeah, teams. Yeah. And then we have McVay and we yeah. go mm. there. Right? <laughs> wow. McVay dumped Jared Goff. Like, there's a there's lot a that lot. happens. There's a lot that happens. It's fun to look they back move. at Edward Jones yes. Dome, all that, St. Louis. Spagnolo. You ready, cool. Kyle? Uh, yeah, let's go. Got in the league in January of 99 okay. after the Eagles uh, had a flameout season. Andy Reid comes and, well, he says, I'm going to hire this guy as a defensive assistant and quality control coach. That's young Spags in the 99 season. Okay. After time in the World League and in college, the number one movie in January of 99 when Steve Spagnuolo was hired by the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles as a defensive assistant was, analyze this, Patch Adams, you've got male Varsity Blues. Go for it, do your thing. I think Varsity Blues was 97. I remember seeing it my freshman year in college. I don't think it's, <laughs> I don't think it's Varsity Blues. 99 is one of the all-time years for box office. You got yeah. Sixth Sense, you got uh, Fight Club, you got American Beauty. Patch Adams, guy, I never saw that movie. It just looked like too much for this. Analyze this, I think. It looked like too much. I just, I could, it was too much Robin Williams. Like, I, I, the red nose. Yeah, I love Robin. Philip Seymour Hoffman's in yeah, that he's one. Yeah, he plays one of, of the doctors. <laughs> Analyze this, I saw in the theater with my sophomore year in college, so I think that would fit as 99. And then you've got mail. I don't place where I saw it. <laughs> I, I, I saw it in the theater, but I don't remember where. I think it's Analyze This. Not Analyze That. Not Analyze That. I think it is Jelly, the, the guy yeah, with, with the near. Remember yeah, Jelly? Yeah. He was in the firm as yeah. a hitman. All right, so I'm going to go Analyze This. Your memory mistaken, you. You think Varsity Blues is 99? I think it's Our 97. Our is Varsity I'm Googling. Blues. I think you're Varsity you're Blues. <laughs> James Vanderbeek played the role of quarterback Johnny Mox Moxham, who tried to lead his team to a high school football title. The movie followed Mox, hmm. his team's hmm. intense football culture, and its pressures to succeed under all costs. I'm going to lay out and just let Vanderbeek have a moment. It's a beautiful moments. Allie Larder. Is there a stock coming? I thought whether we were going to yeah. have Vanderbeek talk or something. I thought like you had that. a whipped cream uh, bikini or something. I was going to say, Peter, come out in the whipped cream bikini next time. You want <laughs> spike ratings for once. That's Unbelievable. Spike. I saw that in Madison, Wisconsin. I thought it was 97, no? Hey, I, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Our research team, Rich Goldberg, our researcher. Yeah. I said, give me the number one movie when Steve Spagnuolo was hired by the Eagles. He said it was Varsity Blues. We're gonna have to, we wanna double check? We can double I check in the commercial check. break as I throw our researcher under the bus. <laughs> Question <laughs> number four. I believe, I believe Question, it. Question, right. I might be wrong. Question number four. When Spags got his second ring, it was with the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And that defense did an outstanding job because they shut down Jimmy Garoppolo in the fourth quarter and they won 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter alone. They're up 24 20 in the fourth. This is fourth and 10. Which Chiefs legendary player recorded a sack of Jimmy Garoppolo on this fourth and 10 to really put this game away? Was it Frank Clark, Daniel Sorensen, Rashad Breland, or Terrell Suggs? J-Mac. I love that it says Kansas City Chiefs legend on this fourth down sack. 
and I'm looking at the list of names. For whatever reason, I just love this guy with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going with B, Daniel Sorensen, 49. Legend? You're gonna get tricked by the word legend? You look, think? At the, look at the names on the list. I know. I mean, he's kind of legendary in and of itself, so I'll go subs. So I'm gonna go D. Yeah, you know Peter. I feel like Peter had a Daniel Sorensen jersey. He did. What were we calling him dirty? Love Sorensen. 47 or yeah. 49? 49. 49. I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's Suggs as well. Suggs? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Let's find out. Uh, take a look at who gets sacked. This is one of those weird ones where they call it a sack, but it's Garoppolo like under pressure. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Again, Buck and Aikman, the best. Let's listen. They're gonna let the play go. It's not gonna matter as Garoppolo now has it knocked incomplete. Clark was there and had pressure for the Kansas City defense. You see the, the pressure that, that Kansas City brings and, and they, they get to him and just no, no chance. Frank Clark was Frank the Clark. legend. It's the only sack of that game for the Chiefs. Yeah. Frank Clark puts it away and of course the Chiefs would score and really make it an 11 point game and end it. Uh, in the commercial, we were or during that clip, we were talking all this stuff. It was intended for who, Kyle? That pass it was for Raheem Mostert. I mean, you who scored 23 touchdowns for the yeah. Dolphins this year and is in Vegas right now for the Pro or in Orlando for the Pro yeah. Bowl. Jeff Wilson was there too. Jeff Wilson, Both those guys, Dolphins. You look at him, Ben Neiman on the on the coverage as well for the Chiefs. A lot has changed. I know everyone yeah. says those two logos, but we're talking about Raheem Mostert, Jimmy Garoppolo, so Frank many. Clark. A lot has changed. This isn't a pure. Rematch. Yeah. Like I got to put my hand up too. Varsity Blues 99. Yeah, so I apologize to Amy Smart, to yeah. all, all, everybody involved. Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn. Rich Billy Bob. Yeah, all those guys. John, Rich Goldberg. Most importantly, Rich Goldberg. Rich Goldberg. John Voigt. Love you, Rich. We love you, Rich. Yeah, 99. I don't know what I was doing. Uh, Too many oh, beers. Uh, coming up, what poses the biggest threat to the Chiefs, uh, to the 49ers? Is it the Chiefs offense or is it the Chiefs defense? We've got takes on takes next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Uh, here we go. Thursday, February 8th, the Stars will be out in Las Vegas to kick off Super Bowl 58 weekend. It's NFL Honors, which celebrates the 2023 NFL season with host Keegan Michael Key. You can watch on CBS, NFL Network. You can stream it, if you'd like, on Paramount Plus and NFL Plus. Or if you just want all the answers to all your questions, go to NFL.com slash honors for more. In-person guest, everybody. All we right. love to have it, it at it. the table. Welcome in the NFL's Senior VP of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Jonathan B. Hey. hey! Thank you. How we doing? <laughs> doing great. Doing great. And I appreciate the invitation. This, Always. Uh, you know, and, and I love it. It's in person this year, which I very much like. So. Yes. Yes. Happy to be with you all. That's right. We don't Love. validate parking, but it is great to have <laughs> so You're going to have to pay for that on your own. Come on now. I'll expense it. I'll expense okay. it. He's the man of the people. He took the subway down here from Park <laughs> Avenue. Uh, all right. So let's talk coaching cycle hiring. All right. Four of the seven head coaching hires um, were coaches of color, the most diverse cycle in NFL history, which is great. What does that mean for what the Rooney Rule is trying to accomplish and what the goals of the league have? 
Uh, it's promising, yeah. Um, but certainly not something that we're uh, holding our hat on and saying, oh, we've arrived. Yeah. Um, and, and for us, as you all know, we have a holistic approach to this. Mm. And, and when, we're, when we're looking at, for us, the cycle is all the time. Um, we're obviously talking about head coach in this case, which we're really happy about, but this is one cycle. And for us to see true progress, it needs to be sustainable. Mm. Over a number of years, we're really looking for that progress. And not only at head coach, but at all those positions. And so for us, uh, um, it is promising to certainly see where we are with head coach, but we're, we're, we're looking for sustainable improvement over a period of time. Mm -hmm. Sustainable improvement, I love that phrase. And this is something that the league has tried to pay attention to for a while now. There have been changes to the hiring process and we've seen it this cycle. Are there any other things that the league is trying to do to continue to increase diversity? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're always, one thing that's really important, Jason, is we're always looking to continually improve what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, while we have made some really good improvements to the process and give a lot of credit to the commissioner and the DEI committee chaired by Art Rooney to really spearhead that, whether it's looking at the fact that we have uh, inclusive hiring training for all uh, open head coach or GM positions, uh, whether it's ensuring that we have at least two uh, diverse candidates being interviewed for coordinator roles, head coach roles, GM roles, are a variety of other things that we have done with the process to kind of make it slower, uh, to, to ensure that more candidates are getting access and opportunity to compete for the position. And also more people, what we're realizing now, more people are in the room mm -hmm. during the process of evaluation as a part of the selection committee. So we're gonna continue to do that during the combine. What we do is we always gather a group of coaches and, and front office personnel in addition to agents and have a discussion about the process and, and, and make improvements. So that's the goal, always continually mm -hmm. improving and finding ways to drive even better outcomes season after season. So you're essentially trying to eliminate like the, I know a buddy and he's my guy and I want to hire him the next day. You want more people to be a part of the conversation in the meeting room because it could very easily kind of become like the old boys club mentality. That's right, Jamie. And I think too, one thing that is important to notice too is there has been this perception that club membership and the clubs um, are not willing to hire uh, people of color into head coach positions. Well, what we see with this cycle is that is not the case. And they deserve credit for that. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, this is one, t one moment yeah. in time, and we need yeah. to see that over an, a number of periods, but uh, a, a period of time. But that is certainly the case is we want to broaden the pool where people are not just uh, looking at their own system and connections and networks have to broaden that mm -hmm. and have a process that allows you to take your time and think inclusively as you're doing that. Mm -hmm. I, and not to make news or anything, but I spoke to someone who interviewed for one of the Carolina positions. They said it was so refreshing because it was the owner, yes, but there were also people of color. There were women. It was a round table. And it wasn't just me speaking to 60-year-old white men and trying to convince myself. There was all these different voices in the room. And that collaborative approach maybe helped lead to hiring Dave Canales, and of course they've elevated Dan Morgan, but they went through the full process of mm -hmm. a diverse room to you know, evaluate candidates at that level as well. Yeah, because when you, when you have that diversity, it, it always, 
will lead to the innovation and and different perspectives, which leads to better solutions at the end of the day. Mm. And and then we also believe that you know you're you're going to look at it from a different angle when you have someone with maybe you have someone that's uh, a a diversity lead. You have some you you have general counsel in the room. You have um, other people in front mm. office personnel. Uh, and, and in some cases, some people, they have executive firms or, or other advisors on the outside, mm -hmm. all of which are positive and can help the, the uh, primary owner and everybody else really look comprehensively at who's out there and who is best for my organization to lead. Detroit just had this amazing season, but they're also a great example of a franchise with various faces of, of color, but also uh, a female owner in Sheila Hamp Ford. When you look at what Detroit has built, front office down, uh, does that look like a model for the league? Yeah, I, I love what uh, Detroit's done, and I think everyone has. I mean, Sheila, uh, this, she's, an, she's an amazing leader, uh, has done a great job with the Lions. If you look at the hires that she's made, quite impressive. And then Brad Holmes, what can I say about Brad Holmes? I mean, I believe he won executive of the year. He completely deserves it. It's amazing what he's done. But also, you see it at other clubs too. Look at, you know, you see the Ravens, the year that they have, and you have Sashi Brown, their new president yeah. over there. You know, you also see the incredible job that Coach Ryans has done with the Houston Texans. You see that excellence and that greatness across the spectrum of the league, and, and we're hoping that that will continue. Well, you mentioned the Lions, JB, but ownership. Are there conversations about if there's more diversity in the owners that may trickle down to the front offices and the sidelines, and what are those conversations? Yes. This is a huge priority at the league and also for membership as a whole right now. Um, the, the idea of ensuring that there is more diversity among ownership. And by the way, right now we have one primary owner who happens to be diverse, Shad Khan. Um, but the idea is when we're looking at ownership, we're looking at anyone, limited partners, primary as well. And if you look at the last two purchases of a club. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the commanders with Josh Harris, mm -hmm. uh, had a lot of people, of course, Magic Johnson, people know about that. Mm -hmm. uh, we I believe around six people who happen to be diverse, a part of that leadership team. And then also when you look at the Broncos, uh, Condoleezza Rice, Melody Hobson, mm -hmm. Sir Lewis Hamilton, you look at the, at the diversity there. And there was a statement that was made before that Broncos uh, a purchase that the league sent out which said, we will look at diversity as a key area and a key priority and thought of in a very positive way when you bring that forward as a package and you have um, diverse, uh, diverse um, ownership as well. Mm -hmm. okay. So that is something that will be continually a huge priority because it all... We, yeah. we need to have representation at all areas of the ecosystem of the, of the National Football League. And, of course, membership is right at the top. Well, it allows accessibility, I think, for anybody walking down the hallway, no matter whose office door it is. You want to feel like you can walk into that person and you have some kind of relatability to them, no matter if they're an owner or if they're you know, doing the laundry. That, that's exactly right, which is one thing that people need to understand is when we're talking about diversity, it's not just overall diversity. You need to have diversity everywhere. Yeah. At all levels, in every, it doesn't matter whether it's production, mm -hmm. IT, ownership, front office, all areas mm -hmm. of when we talk about this great game that we all love, there needs to be representation mm -hmm. across the board. So, and, and by the way, that representation is, is with people of color, but also women. And that's a critical piece that we need to stay focused on. 
Well, I know it makes it a lot, the, the see her, be her kind of mentality. Like you have to be able to visualize, you know, people that you want to become and you got to see them in those roles as well. Jonathan, yes. so good to see you. Thank you. Thanks Appreciate for coming. You, come anytime, all right? All right? Come on down the subway, the, the six train, if you will, and come hang out with us. I know your defense coordinator, Mike McDonald, has been interviewing for some head coach jobs. For people who may not know him, what is he like as a coach? Yeah, he's super cerebral, really smart guy, probably the smartest guy in the building. Um, don't tell him I said that, but, uh, you know, he's going to get everybody in the right spots, use everybody's best abilities, and um, really just conforms to what we do best as a defense and as a team. And um, Great motivator. Uh, he lets the guys lead the room. It's just a bunch of great qualities for him. And, Whatever is coming in his future, he deserves it. That was our own Cam Wolf uh, with Raven safety Kyle Hamilton. Hours before Mike McDonald got the Seahawks job, he set him up for success. The Ravens defense now will hope do the same for the Seahawks. That leaves one head coaching job open. That's with the commanders. A lot of speculation as to who might get that role in Washington. Peter, reaction to Mike McDonald heading to Seattle, but also the commander's search still ongoing. Yeah, the Seattle part is cool because they went from Pete Carroll, who might feel like the youngest coach in the league with his energy and juice, but he's actually the oldest coach in the league, to now Mike McDonald, who's 36 years old and now officially the youngest coach in the league. Look, McDonald had the dream season, but he also has the resume to go with it. Years with the Ravens, then won a lot with Michigan in the year he was with his with Harbaugh's brother. And I heard he interviewed great both with Washington and with Seattle. It looks like Seattle's a job. Washington remains vacant. Is that Dan Quinn? Is that Aaron Glenn? We'll see in the next couple of days where that one goes. Always interesting. You look at a guy, McDonald, he's going over to Seattle. You said it going into the Ravens-Chiefs game was this felt like a great opportunity for the Ravens because they had so many free agents. So now with their coach from the Ravens going to Seattle, all of these guys at Matabike and those oh, yeah. guys, are any of them going to be going over to the opposite coast in Seattle as well? It's crazy when all of that happens. Not only you take a coach, you may be taking a lot of the players as well. With the McDonald, it always feels like how low can you go with the age thing. Like, mm. you know, there's all these numbers that are never going to be touched in the NFL and touchdowns and sacks and all that. I feel like the Sean McVay being hired at 30, 30. is that number that everyone is chasing. Six years, not even close. And he's 36 years old. It's exciting, though. It's a youth movement. I like it. I'm curious with the Washington being the last uh, opening because, Peter, you led the coaching search with this process saying, that they, they were going to be unconventional about mm -hmm. it and they were going to go out of their way. This is unconventional. They're taking the long. longest time. They were the first ones to yep. the board and they're like, we're going to take our time. Uh, I said Dan Quinn and Aaron Glenn. There might be a wild card name in there too. Good morning, football. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.